Welcome back to Access, everybody. How are you all doing today? Awesome. Awesome. It's a little chilly out there today, isn't it? Yeah? It's, but you know what? The sun's still shining. It's not yet fall. Right? Let's not start hibernating just yet, okay? I'm glad you all made it out here today. I'm glad we're all able to fellowship with each other and study God's word together. Do you all have your handouts today? Okay, if you need a handout, um, just put your hand up in the air. We'll help you with that. Our study today has a, it's called something that's difficult to pronounce. Who wants to have a go at it? How do you say that name? Belteshazzar, right? Belteshazzar. Okay, so that's how we're going to say the name the rest of the study. Who is Belteshazzar? Have you heard of him before? You've heard the name, you don't know who he is. How many of you have heard of this character in the Bible named Daniel? Show of hands. You've heard of Daniel? That's his name, Belteshazzar. Okay, that, that's who he is. This is his Babylonian name. And we're going to be studying, we're going to be opening up the book of Daniel, and we're only looking at the first five chapters today. It's going to be a fun study, guys. There's so many stories in Daniel that... Uh, have a lot of mysterious things happening. And we're going to jump right in to the time where Daniel and his friends are taken captive and they're being placed in Babylon, placed in Babylon, Daniel chapter 1. And it is a good idea. We're not going to be reading through all of it, but if you have your Bibles with you, you could follow along the story and look at all the, the fun details. I don't want you missing out. So here we go. We have a Babylonian king named Nebuchadnezzar. And he besieged Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem. Okay, remember, Jerusalem is the capital city of Judah. Remember? God's people, the believers, were still dwelling there in the land of Judah. And Jerusalem was besieged. And at that time, King Nebuchadnezzar took some of the nobles, took some of the royals, and took some of the healthy, young, good-looking, attractive, intelligent young people with him, okay? And he hoped that these young people would rise up and come and serve in his, uh, the king's personal service, okay? So he took Daniel and three of his friends. They were exiled with other Jewish captives to Shinar, okay? Shinar. This is a, later it became known as Babylon, okay? And Shinar, it was a land of magic, sorcery, charms, and astrology. Very mystical sounding place. And they were taught in the ways of the Chaldeans, okay? The Chaldeans were from the southern part of Babylon, okay? These Chaldeans, they have high intellect and lots of things, a lot of literature, so essentially, they wanted to put these young people that they took captive, they wanted to put them to school, okay? This is like large-scale homeschooling, okay? And what they did here, they taught them the ways of the Babylonians. During this time, they were appointed portions to eat from the king's choice food and to drink his wine. They were given new names as a way to encourage them to forget the god of and traditions of their homeland, and to conform to the ways and the gods of Babylon. Okay, Let's look at 
who these four young men were. We have Daniel. His name means God is my judge. His name was changed to Belteshazzar, right? Hananiah, his name meant the Lord is gracious. He was given the name Shadrach. Mishael, who is like the Lord? His name became Meshach. And Azariah means the Lord is my helper. And his name changed to Abednego. So you've heard of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Those are not their real names, okay? Those are their Babylonian names. But looking here, you notice at the very end of the, their original names, Daniel, E-L, a name that helps, uh, it carries the name of God with him, Daniel, or it means the Lord. Hananiah, all right, and Azariah, end with that ah, like from Yahweh or Jehovah, Yehovah, and it carries the same thing. So the name of God is written into their names. So every time they hear their name, it's a proclamation of the living God of heaven, okay? So names were very important. And to take those names and to try and get them to forget their God, they replaced them with other names that carried the, the names of the pagan gods in the land of Babylon, okay? So here we go. They're faced with this decision. All right, boys, here's your portion from the king's table. And you get to drink the same wine that the king is drinking. Daniel and his friends, they make this decision. Wait, hold on. This is unclean food, right? We're forbidden to be eating this food. So no, we have to say no to the king's food. And um, we can't drink the wine, okay? The leader, the overseer, he was very nervous. He's like, wait, I need to feed you. If you don't eat, you'll become weak, and I can't present you to the king. He'll have my head for this, okay? And Daniel said, okay, this guy's afraid of the king. I'm not afraid of the king, okay? This guy fears Nebuchadnezzar, but I fear the God of heaven. So he wants to remain obedient to the God of heaven and follow the commands that were given to them as a nation, so instead of sinning against God, he goes to the other overseer, the one giving them food, and he says, listen, um, for 10 days, just 10 days, put us to the test. For 10 days, we ask you, you hold back the king's food and the wine, and just give us vegetables and water to eat and drink. And after 10 days, you're going to see with your own eyes, okay, and you compare us to all the others that are eating from the king's table and drinking his wine, if after 10 days we're not, you know, seen as fit for the king's service, fine, you know, get rid of us. Do what you have to, but we are not going to sin against God, okay? So 10 days pass. Oh, wait, there. Please put your, yeah, there you go. That's straight out of the Bible. Deal with your servants according as you see fit, right? So 10 days pass, look what happens. Oh, healthy. Healthy young lads being presented. And the guy says, wow, you guys really do look healthy. Look at everyone else in the back. They're sick. They're morose, very sallow in the face. 10 days makes a difference. I wondered why 10 days. Why did he ask for just 10 days? Is there a significance to that number 10? In the Bible, the number 10 signifies testimony. 
okay? Signifies testimony, law, responsibility, and the completeness of order, okay? Now here, after 10 days, they upheld God's law, okay? They, they kept God's order of things, okay? And it, there was a testimony that was made to all witnessing eyes that, yes, we follow the Lord, and look at us. We are healthy, we are strong, and so they were allowed to continue with the regimen, okay? I'm not saying everybody has to be vegetarian. I'm not saying it's about the food, okay? But when we look at the story of Daniel and his friends, what is the important lesson that we can learn from this one story? Anybody? They honor God with their lives. That's one. Anybody else? Obedience. Don't compromise. You know, don't conform to the ways of the world just because you're in the world, right? Honor God first before trying to honor anybody else, okay? This is what matters most. When we honor God, does your life act as a testimony to those around you? That's another important thing here. Put us to the test, and we could bear testimony that God is with us, God is good, and God's ways are better. Okay? Because I follow the Lord, when you honor God, okay, you have a testimony to bear. So the same king, Nebuchadnezzar, one night he has a dream. Okay? The God of mystery revealed. The king had a dream, and his spirit was troubled. You ever have a bad dream before? Yeah? And you wake up, and you're like, what was that? You know, and you're so bothered that you can't go back to sleep. And for, it's so vivid, and it just keeps that mark, and you don't want to go back to bed. Sometimes you want to figure out, what did it mean? Why did I have that dream? What's going on here? And it just seems so real. Okay, so King Nebuchadnezzar had one of these dreams, and he desperately wanted to understand what it meant. So what he ends up doing, he wakes up all the wise men in the land. Remember, this was the land of sorcery and magic, okay? And he, he wanted all the magicians, all the wise men, he gathered them all together and said, please, somebody, I cannot sleep. Tell me, what does my dream mean? So you know what the wise men do? Oh, king, tell us your dream. And then we'll interpret it for you. The king said something really silly. No, I'm not telling you what my dream was. You tell me what my dream was. Imagine. Wait, the king woke us up. He had a bad dream. And now he wants us to tell him what his dream was. The king had his reasons. He said, listen, if I tell you my dream, you're just stalling. You're going to tell me something that you want to tell me, but I want to know if what your interpretation is, I could only trust it if you can tell me what my dream was. Okay? So all of them are like, King, this is impossible. Please, you know, like, just give us something to work with. And he goes, no. If you can't tell me what my dream was, I'm going to kill all the wise men. 
in Babylon because you are useless. Imagine that. So all the wise men freaking out, what? This king, what's going, this guy is crazy. He had a bad dream and now he wants us to do, what? And now he wants to kill us? He's not in his right mind, right? Finally, <laughs> finally news gets to, to Daniel through the man that was supposed to kill all the wise men. Okay, his name was Arioch. And Arioch, the king's commander, went to Daniel and said, listen, something's going on with the king right now. He needs someone to interpret his dream for him. So Daniel goes and he, he asks Arioch, please, tell the king we need time. Give us time to pray to our God. And God will reveal all things in his time. Surely enough, that night, Daniel goes to sleep. And he gets a vision from God. And God reveals to him what the king had, had dreamt about. So you can imagine all the wise men just kind of like, okay, there's one guy that thinks he has the answer. This might be our out, you know. Daniel comes up and he comes before the king. Oh, king, may you live forever. I love that. Every time they come before a king, oh, king, may you live forever. You know, they're always speaking that word. Oh, king, may you live forever. I have received a word about what your dream was. And the king says, okay, go on, tell me. So he says, you went to bed. And there standing before you was a large statue with a head of gold, a chest and arms of silver, with a belly and thighs of brass or bronze, with legs of iron and feet that were mixed both iron and clay. And out from the heavens came a rock that was cut, a cut rock that was untouched by human hands. And that rock came and hit the feet of this idol and caused the whole idol to crumble down. Then all the gold, all the silver, all the bronze, all the iron and the clay became like chaff on the threshing floor and a wind came and blew it away. All that remained was that one stone, that cut stone, untouched by human hands, and it grew large as a mountain and covered over the whole earth. Imagine, to the surprise of King Nebuchadnezzar, how? How does this man know my dream? You better believe he was ready to hear what it meant. Daniel said, I have the interpretation for you. You, O king, are the king of kings. The gold head on the statue represents you and your kingdom of Babylon, for you are king over all the nations. The greatness, imagine gold, the fine gold, okay, was the most precious metal there. But after you, the next kingdom that comes will be an inferior kingdom made of, so that's the silver that's there. And after that, another inferior kingdom, the brass belly and, and thighs. After that will come yet another kingdom, but it will be a divided kingdom, the iron legs. And in the last days, the kingdom that's so divided, it will be mixed of iron and clay. See, iron crushes, right? Iron crushes, and iron was, 
referring to the Roman Empire. And after that empire, a mixture of the iron and the clay. But there will come a time when that rock that came from the heavens comes and crushes all the kingdoms of the earth. This one rock will be the everlasting kingdom that will never fade, will never fail, will go on for all eternity, the everlasting kingdom. Nebuchadnezzar heard the words. He promoted Daniel right away. He said, you, yes, you are a man that has seen things. You are the wisest of the wise men. I will put you in charge of all the wise men. You, Daniel, have brought great comfort to my soul in interpreting this. For sure, your God has revealed these things to you. Daniel said, the only reason this is not my doing, but the God of mysteries who reveals all things. He's the one that gave me this information so that I can share it with you, O king. There's no wisdom in me myself. All my wisdom comes from the Lord, the God of heaven. Surely your God is a God of gods and a Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries since you have been able to reveal this mystery to me. Is that crazy? <laughs> you look at that in your sidebar, you'll notice the empires. Babylon, the first kingdom. Medo-Persia, the second kingdom. Greece was the third kingdom. Rome, the fourth kingdom. And then finally, the divine kingdom. Have you ever sought answers in life. And you could be tossing and turning, losing your sleep, just like King Nebuchadnezzar. And some things just don't seem to make sense. The future is so uncertain, isn't it? Who are you going to trust as you navigate through life, as you start facing all these uncertainties? Can you put trust in yourself? I can't trust myself. If everything depends on me and what I'm going to do, man, I, I can't say that I'm going to take all the responsibility. I can't do that. You know what I mean? I, there's a lot resting on my shoulders. Am I going to trust my friends or the wise men? You know, you call everybody and you wake them up and you, you, you bother your family, you bother your friends, you consult with them, and you don't like what they have to say. So you don't trust them anymore. So if you can't trust yourself, and you can't trust the people around you, who are you going to trust? It's easy to say, yeah, I'll trust God. But how easy is it really to trust God? It's like as human beings, I think we all go through this thing where we still expect God to prove himself to us, to prove that he's worthy of being trusted. Nebuchadnezzar, I don't think he trusted in God, but he trusted what he witnessed, the work of God, through a man. Okay? Nebuchadnezzar started to sing praises to the God of Daniel. Why? Because he witnessed something that seemed impossible become possible. We just sang a song earlier today. 
our God is greater, our God is stronger, our God is higher than any other. And it started with water you turn into wine. It's like God could do all the things. He has done all the things. And nothing is impossible with God. That's the story. That's the lesson in this story about King Nebuchadnezzar and his dream. Nothing is impossible with God. And God is a sovereign king over all kings. Okay? His kingdom is supreme. It lasts forever. All the things of this world will fade away. Do you want to put your trust and your faith in something that's just going to fade away? Or do you want to put your trust and your faith in something that will stand and last forever? Bow or burn. Chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3. Bow or burn. Nebuchadnezzar made an image, okay, an image, a statue of gold, 90 feet tall. That's pretty tall. 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide. He called the rulers and the civil leaders to a conference to bow and worship his image. Remember, he was the king of kings at this time. He, he was a king over all peoples, all nations. And he wanted all the rulers, the civil leaders, to come and bow down and worship this idol. Okay? And this statue, mind you, it wouldn't have been pure gold. I mean, that's just way too much gold. If anything, it would have just been laden with gold on the outside. Okay? 90 feet tall. And he made this decree that whoever did not bow down to this image would be thrown into a fiery furnace. Okay? So three friends of Daniel, after Daniel had interpreted the king's dream, and Daniel was put in charge of the wise men, Daniel also got his three friends to become administrators in the king's service. Okay? And as they were administrators here, they were amongst the people that were expected to bow down and worship this idol. But just like they didn't eat the king's food because it broke God's law, God's law also says you shall not bow down to any graven image. Okay? You shall not bow down to any other gods. You shall have no other gods before me. So uh, <laughs> the instruction was, when you hear the stringed instruments and the horns and all the loudness, it's time for you to bow down. So imagine when all that started going on and all this praise and you know worship music started going, the horns blared, the strings strung, and everybody falls down, flat on their face before this idol, except for the three dudes. What are their names? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, okay? These three guys, Daniel's friends, you know, if they were in my kingdom, I'd be like, you guys are troublemakers, man. Why can't you just fall in line like everybody else? You know, why do you have to stick out like a sore thumb all the time? These three guys are standing up. Some of the Chaldeans, okay, they go to the king. King Nebuchadnezzar, you made the decree. Anybody that doesn't bow down, well, we know of some Jewish guys that you put in charge. They're not bowing down. King Nebuchadnezzar, wait, my guy, my, my three guys are not bowing down? <laughs> 
How dare they? He was infuriated. You know, the shame that the king was facing. Because remember, this was a conference. All the world leaders were there. They were all bowing before this image. And these three were so bold as to stand up against the king. Bring them to me, Nebuchadnezzar said. So the three men stood before King Nebuchadnezzar. And the king says, you guys, why aren't you bowing down? You will be bound up just as you are bound up with rope, and you will be led to that fiery furnace, but we're going to make that furnace seven times hotter. Put more fuel in that furnace. Number seven has some significance as well. It signifies completeness and perfection, both physical and spiritual. Make that seven times hotter. The guards that brought them up to the furnace, guess what happened? The fire was so hot that they were slain from the fire. And the three guys fell into the fire, still bound up with their clothes, their robes, their turbans, everything in the fire. But because the fire was so hot, the king's men died. But these three guys were still alive in the fiery furnace. The king was watching from afar. Ha, <laughs> yeah, burn, burn. You deserve it, you know. One of his attendants must have said, king, king, come look at this. Shh, you're going to embarrass yourself. Quiet, right? The king looks, wait, how many men did we throw in that fire? Three, O oh, king. But I see four men, and one of them looks like an angel. I see four men in there, and they're walking around. They're free. Remember, when they, the three guys fell in, they were still bound up, right? But now the king sees there's four men, and they're walking around freely in the fiery furnace. Nebuchadnezzar. I don't know, was he still angry? Why aren't they burning? Or was he like, what sort of magic is this? What is this sorcery? They should be burning, man. This is crazy. So I'm sure he ran down to that furnace himself. And he's like, come on, guys. Come on out here. This is crazy. Let me check you out. Are you really here or am I seeing things? And he looks and he inspects their clothes. Nothing is burned. Not a hair on the head was lost. Only the three came out. Who was that fourth that was with them? A spiritual being? A being of God? Remember, seven was that number of completeness, both physical and spiritual. Without God, our lives are incomplete. Without God, we won't have what we need to face the dangers of this world, okay? The world will try to burn you. The enemy tries to throw fiery darts in your direction. But when you have God with you, friends, he is all that you need, okay? We are complete when we have God with us, okay? My uncle's name is Emmanuel. 
Emmanuel. Did you know that? We all lovingly call him Manny, okay? We all lovingly call him Manny, but his name is Emmanuel, which means God with us, right? I'm sorry, Uncle Emmanuel. I'm going to start calling you by your name, sir. It reminds us of the completion that we have when we walk life, walk through life with God. Look at the praise that came off the lips and the decree that came off the lips of King Nebuchadnezzar. Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants, who put their trust in him, violating the king's command, and yielded up their bodies so as not to serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make a decree that any people, nation, or tongue that speaks anything offensive against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb and their houses reduced to a rubbish heap, inasmuch as there is no other god who is able to deliver in this way. There is no other God. This God is holy. But notice how, they ref how he refers to this God, the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And this is awesome. Okay? That's my God. You know, it, it would be like saying the God of Tim and Lorna and Jelly. You know, like... That would be amazing. What a testimony. And it's like, God's got my back. My name is in that. When they think about the God that did this great thing, it's associated with what he did for me. Now, that's a testimony, friends. When God has done something amazing and powerful in your life, automatically God's story is attached to your life. And that story that you have because of what God has done, that becomes your testimony, you see. And you share that story with anyone that's going to hear it. Notice I didn't say anyone that would listen. You share it because people could hear it. And when they hear it, then they have the opportunity to know the God that you know. But if, you don't, if they don't hear it because you're not sharing it, you're depriving people of the opportunity to know your God. Don't be shy to share God's story in your life. That's your testimony. That's your ministry. That's what you share. You don't have to be a biblical scholar. You don't have to go to university and go to study theology. No. When you follow God and you live your life and God becomes alive to you and reveals himself to you, you have something you could declare. This is what God has done in my life. This is why I follow God. Share your story, friends. It's a powerful, powerful ministry. There is no other God that can do what our God does. So here we have King Nebuchadnezzar. He already saw, wow, these young men, they didn't eat my food, okay? Wow, this young man was able to interpret my dream because of his God. Wow, these young men, they uh, got into that fire and God's angel came and rescued them and they walked out of the fire without being burned. And he was singing praises to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But did he really meet with God? He might have seen the stories, he might have seen what happened, but did he himself have that moment with God? 
Let's read about Nebuchadnezzar's moment with God. In chapter 4, the unrepentant beast. Nebuchadnezzar goes back to bed. And to his surprise, he has another crazy dream. In his dream, he sees a tree. And the tree grows and grows and grows. And it is a great tree. He has a vision of a great tree before him. And then a heavenly being comes down and says, Tear down this tree. Chop off all the limbs. Cut it down so there's nothing left but a stump. And then let there be a bronze and iron ring around that stump and leave it there. Everything that gets chopped down, this great tree, will be amongst the field with the grass. The dew of heaven will fall on it and it will be drenched and soaked. Let the grass be its food. And then let it live in the wild as the beast. And after seven years, from that stump, there would be this little thing that starts to grow again. Nebuchadnezzar's like, okay, there's this great tree. Somebody interpret for me what this dream meant. There's a great tree. Angelic being comes. Tear it all down. Leave a stump. That's it. That's all that he got. He gives the wise men another opportunity to interpret for him. Long story short, Daniel hears about it. He comes up. Oh, king, may you live forever. I have the interpretation for you. And he tells him everything I just told you. Okay? But he says, oh, king, you are that great tree because you are the king over all the land and there's so much prosperity and wealth in your kingdom and that angel that comes down and says, chop down this tree. He didn't want to continue. He didn't want to tell the king, you're the one that's going to be chopped down. And for seven years, you are going to lose your mind and be just like an animal, a beast, out in the wilderness. Your nails will grow long. You will be drenched with the dew from heaven. You will be eating the grass and live in the wild, and your kingdom will be out of your hands for seven years. But at the end of seven years, there's still that stump. At the end of seven years, there's still hope. A sprout will rise from that stump. Your kingdom is still here, and you will be restored once you acknowledge the God of heaven. So 12 months go. After Daniel said, King Nebuchadnezzar, I beg you right now, please, please, repent of your sins. Turn away. Please, King Nebuchadnezzar, just make yourself right with God right now. You could turn from your wicked ways. Please, please, he's pleading with him. The king had an unrepentant heart. Twelve months later, twelve months later, I always wonder, why doesn't the Bible just say a year? But it says 12 months later. There's significance with the number 12 in the Bible as well. It signifies God's power and his authority, as well as serving as a perfect governmental foundation. So remember, this kingdom is Nebuchadnezzar's government foundation. Okay? After 12 months, 
we see him strolling along the top of the terrace in his palace, and he's looking at all the land. Look at all this that I have built. Babylon is so great. We have gold, we have wood, we have iron and bronze, and everything is so fantastic. This is my kingdom, and he's just singing his own praises. And we've all heard that phrase, pride comes before the fall. In just moments, because of his unrepentant heart, Nebuchadnezzar starts to lose his mind. And he's driven mad. And he's driven out into the wilderness where he starts to crawl on the ground and grovel, eating the grass, drenched just as a beast in the field. And this lasted how long? Seven years. Seven years until at the end of that seventh year, he said his eyes looked up to the skies. After seven years of groveling in this wilderness, he looks up to the skies. And then his mind started to come back to him. I don't know how many of you might feel today that you're still groveling in a lost world. That you're trying to make ends meet and trying to just scavenge for whatever will help you face tomorrow. Maybe you're so busy with life that all you see is what's down here right now. And you feel this is all that I got so I'm going to take what I could get. If that's you today, friends lost in your confusion and the darkness of mind, if that's you today, friend, I pray that you would just lift your eyes. Lift your eyes and turn your eyes upon God. Because he is the one that makes sense of all things. He's the one that will work out all things for good of those who learn to trust him, who love him. Don't try and save your life. You will lose it. The Bible tells us that. Instead, give up your life into the hands of God so you could find new life. It was King Nebuchadnezzar that shared this story about how he went mad and about when he looked up to the skies and his mind came back to him. He finally acknowledged the God of heaven and he was restored. Babylon was restored with all its wealth. Now I exalt and glorify the King of heaven. It has seemed good to me to declare the signs and wonders which the Most High God has done for me. How great are his signs and how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is and everla an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion is from generation to generation. Who is God in your life, friends? 
I mean, this is something we have to think about. This is something we must know. If we say we worship the God of heaven, who is he? Who are you worshiping? Or are you just worshiping the Christian God? Yeah? Well, all my Christian friends are doing this, so I'm doing what they're doing, and we're just going to worship God together. But you have no real encounter or living relationship with God. I'm not here to shame anybody, but I am here to wake up a few sleepers. Okay? Because maybe you're sleeping in your spiritual life and just hanging on, hoping that something good's going to come along. Don't wait and sleep like Nebuchadnezzar did. God gave Nebuchadnezzar opportunities to see God's greatness, to get to know how God works through his people. Okay? And Nebuchadnezzar still had an unrepentant heart. You might be asking yourself, why does God allow me to still go through all this garbage that I have to face in my life? I wake up Monday morning and I don't want to face the week, you know? Why does God allow me to suffer still through all of this? And we start to blame God and we say, I'm praying to God, but he's not making my situation any better. What are we expecting of God? Here's a little wake-up call for you. If you're living with an unrepentant heart, it will be so difficult for you to see what God really wants to do in your life. If you're living with an unrepentant heart, that's what's keeping you in the darkness, you see. Because of what God has done in your life, can you sing his praises? Have you known him to be the sovereign God of heaven who has the whole world in his hands? That he is the king over all things. That he does rule supreme over everything that he's created. He is creator God, after all. Everything that's here is his. It's not ours. The very breath that you breathe that's not yours. That belongs to the creator. He gives us all that we need to sustain us. And he sustains us for his own purposes. And what is God's main purpose? It's to reveal himself. That's it. This is God's purpose, to reveal himself. Have you gained a revelation from God, friends, about who he is, about how he's working in your life, how he's transforming you and shaping your character? I pray that our eyes are open, right? I pray that our hearts are receptive. I pray that we have ears to hear him. I pray that our spirits are alive with God's spirit. I remember this story from when I was a kid and thinking about um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego not bowing down to the idols and thinking, like, what would I do in that situation? And as I got older, I realized that we're faced with this all the time. 
because there's the idols all around us right now. And the idols are, if you look in your life and you look at your Facebook feed and you look at your text with your friends and you think back to all the conversations that you have and you think of what do you talk about? What do you think about? What drives you day to day? Why do you go to work? Do you go to work so that you can serve God or do you go to work so that you can make more money and buy another iPhone and get a new car, right? Are you talking about the next vacation or are you talking about glorifying God and what he's done for you and what he's done for your life? Like, what are you talking about with your friends? Because when we chase after these other things, every day we're bowing down to that idol. And that's why we're not getting those revelations. That's why God's not working in our lives because we're not praying to God. We're praying to money. We're praying mm -hmm. to status. We're praying to lifestyle, to consumerism, mm -hmm. right? So every day you have to just really take a look at what are the idols that we're bowing down to? What is stopping us from hearing God and letting God work through our lives? Because if we keep serving the other gods, those other gods are what, what's going to rule our lives. Thank you for that. Yes, absolutely. Uh, just like what uh, Shadrach and Abednego had experienced, we sometimes ask God to help us uh, solve all our problems. But sometimes God will not solve our problems, but he wants us to experience God in the midst of our problems. Absolutely. So whether the problem gets solved or not, the most important is we got thrown also. Amen. That's good. So after all this, Nebuchadnezzar repented, he was restored as king over Babylon, and he was in submission to the king of heaven. Leave it up to kids to mess up everything, eh? So Nebuchadnezzar has a kid. His name is Belshazzar, okay? Different from Belteshazzar, it's Belshazzar, okay? And Belshazzar is now king in chapter 5. And Belshazzar, he is just a guy that likes to enjoy life. The kingdom is kind of crumbling under his administration. So he wants to boost the morale. So he invites all his nobles, and together with his wives and his concubines, he's just living it up. He has a great feast. And he says, yo, we need some cutlery. We need some goblets to drink from. So... We're going to have a great party. Why don't you go get the goblets? Why don't you go get the vessels that were taken from Jerusalem, from the temple? Okay? When Nebuchadnezzar besieged Jerusalem, he didn't only take people with him. He also took some vessels that were in service for the Lord in the Lord's temple. And these golden goblets were kept in the treasury of the god Bel, or Marduk okay, in Babylon. So it, it had its safekeeping there until Belshazzar decides to throw this big party and impress all his wives, his concubines, and the nobles. So the Babylonian hands took hold of those vessels, filled it with their wine, desecrating it that it's not good for the Lord's service anymore, and started to drink from it. And because Babylonian hands are what took what belonged to the Lord and for his service, there was a hand that appeared, just a hand, 
that appeared in the midst of this party. And the hand wrote on the wall, wrote many, many, tekel, you farsin. Are you amazed that I could read that sort of writing? Yeah. Uh, the Bible tells us in our English language, okay, many, many tackle you farsin. And he didn't understand what it meant. He was afraid. He went pale as a ghost. And he's like, what is this? There's a floating hand here at my party, dude. This is crazy. Maybe I had too much to drink. Losing his mind. But we know something good's going to happen as we continue to read on. So he says, where are my wise men? Somebody tell me, what does that mean? What is this writing on the wall? See, at least with Nebuchadnezzar, it was just him having a dream, right? But here, Belshazzar, king of Babylon, he is in front of all his people, and this hand comes and writes on the wall. He didn't learn from his father, that there is a God of heaven. He didn't learn the lessons from what his father went through in learning about who God is. So he didn't have that real encounter with God himself yet. This was the encounter. But why was this punishment so hard? Many, many tekel you farsin. Long story short, the queen speaks up. Oh, king, don't you worry yourself. I don't know if the queen was his mom or a sister, okay? But the queen spoke up. Oh, Belshazzar, don't worry. There, there's, a, there's a man in the kingdom, and he worked for your dad. And um, leave it to dad's friends to save you right now. But uh, let's go call Daniel, okay? His name is Belteshazzar, and he can come and tell you what it means because the, the spirit of gods is in this man. The spirit of the gods are in this man. So Daniel shows up. Ooh, you, Belshazzar. You know, he was bringing doom. You, you've done an evil thing. You've taken the vessels that belong for the Lord's temple and you've desecrated it. And that hand, that writing on the wall, I know what it means. Are you sure you want to hear it? He gives him an opportunity. Are you sure you want to know what it says? Yes, please, please, go ahead. Many. Many means God has numbered your kingdom and put an end to it. But it said many, many, right? God has numbered your kingdom and put an end to it. Teko. You have been weighed on the scales and found deficient, found lacking. And Peres, singular for you, Farsin, your kingdom has been divided and given over to the Medes and the Persians. Many, many tekel you, Farsin. Because he heard this, he knew what Daniel was saying was true. I am found lacking. I'm not a good king. Oh, no, but my doom is coming. Like, my kingdom's going to be handed over. This is the end of my kingdom. So he makes Daniel 
third highest ruler over all of Babylon. Surely the God you serve, his spirit is with you. Surely you can rule and reign as third highest in my kingdom. So they put a purple robe on him and put gold necklace on him to signify that Daniel would be ruler. That very same night, the Medes and the Persians came and overtook the temple and Belshazzar was killed. That very night, he lost his life. One minute he's partying, having a great time, thinking, let's just, let's just have fun while we're here. And that very same night, he lost his life. We don't know that there's going to be a tomorrow for us. All we know is what we're doing right now. And if somebody comes and speaks God's truth into your life, don't reject it. Accept God's truth with humility. Because if we're too prideful, believe me, we're human beings, we are naturally prideful. We don't want anybody telling us that we're wrong. We don't want anybody correcting us, you know. But if somebody lovingly comes to you and speaks God's truth into your life, accept it. Don't reject it. Even if it means your doom. Belshazzar accepted his lot in life because he knew he was living in a way that he sinned against this God of heaven. Who is he? Who are you to be going against the God of heaven? Who are you to act as your own God and your own idol? Who are you to say this is how life is supposed to be? No, you are simply a created being, created by the one creator, the one true God of heaven. He holds all things together in his hands. What lessons can we learn from all these stories that we heard about today? Sure, we were talking about Nebuchadnezzar, we talked about Belshazzar. But let's look at Daniel for a moment. Before we close, I want you to just focus on Daniel for a moment. He was taken away from the comforts of his home. He was brought into exile into the land of Babylon. And there, the first thing he did, he wanted to honor God. And because he honored God, God honored him. And he allowed for Daniel to rise up in the kingdom. Promotion, promotion, promotion. Does this sound familiar? There's a story in Genesis. The story of Joseph. Was it Joseph? Do you know the story of Joseph? He was taken as a slave into Egypt. And God honored him and lifted him up. And he became the next second highest ruler in all the kingdom. See, God could place you in a situation, friends, that might not be pleasing for you, but he has a plan for your life. He had a plan for Daniel, had a plan for Joseph. He has a plan for you, okay? You might be in enemy territory. You might be living in this world wondering, but I belong to God. Why am I still here? Because he has a plan to use you to reveal him 
okay? God is all about revealing himself, and he wants to use you to do that, okay? How does that work? We get a foretaste of God through his word, reading these stories. This is a God that we serve. This is a God that he's been consistent throughout history. This is a God who is faithful to his promises. This is a God I could learn to trust, okay? So I'm going to trust him. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to obey him. I'm going to honor him. I'm going to reveal him, okay? But you can't do that if you don't know him, okay? Don't wait to be like Nebuchadnezzar, where you wait for yourself to completely lose your mind. But God will allow even that to happen if that's what it takes to get your attention. God loves you. He's pursuing you. And he wants to reveal himself to you, friends. When God reveals himself to you, and he might not tell you what his entire plan is, but the reason he's doing it, friends, is so that you can repent and turn to him and step into a loving, living relationship with him. May you all be more like Daniel, trusting in God, living with boldness, not compromising and conforming to the ways of this world, but allowing God to continue to transform you as you renew your mind by thinking on the things of God. May you every day when you wake in the morning turn your eyes to the sky and keep your eyes focused on Jesus. This is my prayer for you.